All right, good. Boy, I'm glad I found an excuse to use that song again. The message is about blessing. I just love that. On my best day, I'm a child of God. On the worst day, I'm a child of God. Every day is a good day, and you're the reason why I am so blessed. Aren't we a blessed people of God? Amen. Give him a round of applause because he's... He is just a super spectacular God. Now, let me take just a moment and once again say thank you so much to the praise team for the great job they did. Yeah, go ahead. Give them a round of applause. Again, we need to appreciate what we got. Now, here's what's cool is that you don't know two things. Number one is um, the singer that was supposed to be here couldn't make it this morning. So Jay, at the last minute, stepped in and said, I'll do it. We preachers and worship love. I'll do it. I'll do it. And Jay, we appreciate you so much. And then we don't ever mention our tech team back there. And depending on, on camera status, there's four people back there at least who's working all the tech stuff and making um, all that happen. I very much appreciate that. But I'm very much appreciative for one guy today, and that is Ryan Hunt. Do you want to know why I'm appreciative for Ryan Hunt? I'm not going to tell you unless you tell me you want. <laughs> I am appreciative of Ryan Hunt because... Ryan, well, Ryan, Ryan... You know, he found the volume control to the drums. We can hear drums today. Woo! Yeah. I'm just listening. Oh, Roth was over there. I'm watching him do his thing, you know, boom, boom, over here. I love it. So thank you, Ryan, for, for turning them suckers up. And uh, don't let anybody turn back down either, Ryan. You guard that knob. You guard that knob. All right. Hey, listen. So today we're talking about oily beards and saucers, and I'll explain that in just a minute. I love finding titles that make you think, and this one has got to make you think. But speaking of thinking, I have two questions for you to start off with. Number one is this. Do you think about God? Do you think about God? Now, I'm not talking about today because you're sitting in church, and chances are somewhere along the journey already, you've kind of thought about God. I'm kind of talking about your, your everyday walkabout life that you have does God pop into your brain? Especially now, if you're a Jesus follower. If you're not a Jesus follower, maybe you heard they were giving away free lunch or something, or somebody said, hey, if you'll go to church with me, I'll buy your lunch. And you're here because of that. I'm not talking about you folks. I'm talking about the ones that, you know, are Jesus followers. We've made a commitment to, to Jesus. Do you, during the week, do you, do you think about God? I mean, you know, like in the morning, do you think about him? Or maybe when you smash your finger, you think about him, you know, do you ever just think about God? Okay, that's a good question. It's an important question. And then the second question is tied in with that and says, okay, so assuming you think about God, when you think about God, what do you think of God? When you think about God, what do you think about God? We were traveling to church this morning. It's all of about a mile quick conversation, but I was just telling Judy, I really believe, you know, so often when we think about God, we think about lean and mean, we think about, are you really there? Why don't you come through for me? So often, you know, God's mad. I love, I, for so long I thought this, every time I sinned, I just knew God was in heaven going, yeah, I should have never let you in the family. Should have never let you in. And that is such a lie from hell, okay? And so, so there's this great God up there who loves us so very much and abundantly loves us and wants to bless us. And yet so often, and we're going to talk about this, so often we don't see that with God, okay? And so that leads us into the idea, I want to leave you with today. First, I want you to think about God, but I also want to kind of metamorph 
what you think about God. When you think about God, what do you think about God? Okay? That's kind of the thought. And that's where, ta-da, oily beards and saucers come in. Now, you might be saying, what exactly does oily beards and saucers have anything to do with the Bible? And what does it have to do with our lesson today? And the answer is everything. Now, you're going to have to wait just a minute to hear about the oily beards, but I promise you it has a lot to do with our sermon today. And so does saucers. Now, Truth be known, we didn't quite make it to the saucer part in first service. And truth be known, we ain't going to make it this time either. So you'll have to come on a Wednesday night or something to grab the last part of that message. But what these two tie together, what oily beards and saucers have to do and why are they tied together is both of them are words, are uh, phrases, um, are ideas of abundance, of abundance. You know, we serve this hugely incredible, abundant God. And we see that of all places in a scripture, which we're going to talk about, in a story about an oily beard. And then we see it in in Psalm 23 today that we're going to look at this little scripture um, today. And we see it there also. Now, particularly verses 4 and 5. And by the way, mark your calendars. As far as I know, April 2nd is going to be the last of our series. I thought it was going to go a month and we've gone three. How about that? Talking about a long sermon. That's a long sermon. All right. So, so here we are finally on April 2nd. But today, ever since about three weeks ago, we, we had this thought, even though... Even though I walk through the darkest valley, the shadow of death, I'm going to fear no evil. For you, God, are with me. Um, your rod and your staff, they bring comfort to me. In fact, crazy enough, God, you, know, you prepare a feast, a banquet for me in the very presence of my enemies. And then David writes this. He writes in verse number five, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Let's read that again. You honor me by anointing my head with oil and my cup overflows with blessings. And, you know, in, in, in his culture, and I'm talking about David, in his culture, in his time, well, these were just like everyday words. Now, to us, come on, you know, we Baptists, you know, the word anointing is kind of like, eh, you know, what does that mean, you know? Um, it's really a great word. It's a great word. But to David, it's an everyday word. And they're not sure when, when David wrote this, some people think he did write it as a young man, perhaps even a teenager still sitting on the hillside one day. But I really lean toward interpretation number two because it's so reflective. And, and I think he's an older guy, okay, probably back in those days, 50, you know. He's probably, you know, 55 years old, 60 years old, and he's looking back on his life. He's, this whole thing is reflective about the Lord is my shepherd and how he's walked through the valley and how he's been with him all those times. And then he, I think he's looking back. And what he's looking back where it says, you honor me in my anointing my head with oil, that was a moment in time for him. That was a moment in time for him. We're going to talk a lot about a lot, but there was a day when God anointed David, the most unlikely of candidates, to be the king of Israel. Saul got fired. He disobeyed God, so, so, so God fired Saul, and he needed a replacement, and and he went and found this young guy named David, who's now an older guy. And he's looking back and goes, you know, I remember, I remember a time when, God, you honored me. I didn't deserve it. 
I didn't deserve it, but you honored me. And you know what? If you, you know, if you think about God a little bit, if you'll just think about God, there were times that he honored you. There, there's a time, I mark it, you know, mark it down, there was a time when God just showed you honor. I know for me, it came after, you know, 12 years in the Air Force, and I was having a grand time in the Air Force. I was loving it. And then one day, God spoke to my heart, and he called me to something new, and he called me to be a pastor. And I honestly believe I'm living out the anointing of God on my life. When you understand anointing is is the call of God, it's the call of God for purpose in your life. I am living out. I get to live out the, the known anointing of my life by what I say and those things I write called grits. You know, I'm a communicator. God's gifted me with communication, and I am living that out. So, so you've got one. I promise you, if you'll just look back, I challenge you to go home after this when you get done with your lunch and your nap uh, and the play this afternoon. Um, I, want you, I challenge you to just go home and think about, God, how, how particularly have you honored me? It may be as a husband, maybe as a wife, and maybe in a secular position, but God has honored you as his child. You honor me by anointing my head with oil, and then he goes on and says, Oh, 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 and my, my cup overflows. And that's where the saucers come in. You know, I found out, I was showing, I was showing um, Trey my sermon title, you know, and he walked in and he goes, what's flying saucers got to do with the sermon? I said, no, 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 it's not a flying saucer, it's a saucer. And he goes, what's that? And I realized it's one of those things we don't talk about anymore. But, but back in the good old days, and if you've got fine china, if you go to a formally set table, you know what saucers are. It's that thing they put under the cup. And the job, now listen now, and the job of the saucer is to get what the cup can't hold. And that is so spiritually good. Okay, the bottom line is the saucer idea is God fills our cups and fills our cups and fills our cups till it's just going to slosh out. And rather than go on the floor, you know, we get a saucer to catch all the extra blessings that God gives us with. And that's what David's saying. He said, first off, you know, you anoint me, and we're going to talk about that. And, and God, as I look back, as I look back on my life, you know what, God? It's not just one particular time. God, it wasn't like you did it one time. But God, you did it over, and 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 you did it over. God, my cup overflows with blessings. And when you think about God, that's what I want you to think about. Not only that he honored you. Well, first off, he anointed you as his child when you were born again. But, but this blessing thing, it just goes on and on and on and on. And I want you to understand that everything you, oh my goodness, everything you are and everything you own and everything you have, you know, the life that you live, the air that you breathe, God has blessed you with that. God has blessed you with that. So, yeah. So, so we, amen. So, we've all got, we've all, all got a, a, a verse number five going on in our lives. Okay? Okay? You, you honor me by anointing my head with oil and my cup overflows with blessings. Now, let's look at this teaching point. Because I want you to get over your fear of the word anointing. And by the way, this will help. You know, you know what the word anoint means in the word in the Hebrew? Yeah, to be fat or to be made fat. We Baptists love that. See, y'all think we got this eating thing out, out of thin air? No, sir. In Acts chapter 2, they went from house to house eating, and we done found out that, hey, God wants to anoint us, and he wants to make us fat, and we're doing our best to help him. 
Amen? We're doing our best to help him. But the anointing, okay, is a picture of the outpouring of God's grace and spirit on his children. So, so when we talk about the anointing, it's God abundantly giving. Abundantly giving. Man, do you understand? If you are a Jesus follower, and first off, if you're not, whew, that's what this is all about. We would love it. In our service, we're going to have an invitation time. We'd love for you to come down and talk to Brent about how you can be a Jesus follower. You know, we're, you know we won't tell you how to be a Baptist. We won't tell you even how to join the church particularly. But we will tell you about our friend Jesus. We won't tell you about you know, the best thing that ever happened to us, and that is Jesus. So, so he pours it out there, but again, he just keeps pouring it out. In fact, John chapter 1 and verse number 16 says this. From his Fullness. This is Jesus, or John writing about Jesus. You know, from his fullness, he has poured out grace upon grace. Now, grace, in case you forgot, is God's unmerited favor. It's not something we earn, okay? Like when David said, you honored me, he didn't deserve to be king. God blessed him with kingship. And we don't deserve to be saved, but we are. And we don't deserve the blessings that we have, but we have them. And it's his grace. And, and John 1, 16, God, you just keep pouring out grace upon grace upon grace. So when you think about God, I want you to think about God doing this thing called grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And I'm telling you, when you start doing that, it's going to change your whole life. It's going to change your outlook. And it's going to change your opinion and your, ne- ooh, your necessity of God. Because see, what worries me is so often for Christians... God's not a necessity. I mean, he is when the doctor says you've got cancer. When your wife says, I am done, I'm out of here, and that's when God becomes a necessity. But in our day-by-day walk about life, very rarely is God a necessity. So the anointing is a picture of God's uh, pouring grace and spirit on his children. It's not a time of scarcity. I have a hard time that word, scarcity. It's not a time of leanness. See, see, God is not a God of lean and mean. God is God of love and lavishness. He lavishes his grace. He lavishes his love. He lavishes his mercy upon us. So, so it is not a time of scarcity. I want you to understand that. When you, know, when you talk about God, listen, God can't... I almost said God can't spell scarcity, but I bet he can. <laughs> I bet he can. But, but anyway, you know, you know, that's just not in God's vocabulary. He's just a, he's just an abundant, graceful God. It's not a time. It's not a season. It's not a season of scarcity when we talk about God like this. We talk about his abundance. Let me help you see. We're going to get two, two word pictures. Um, First is this. Now, I've already done an experiment. I got a young man back here who's listening carefully right now. Okay. His hair was like perfect. I mean, it, you know, it's just like, you know. And I said, oh, I remember those days. First off, when I had hair here, I'm grateful for this part, but I had actually had hair here, and, and we had to use something on our hair, okay? And what we did was, now, again, hey, listen, students, y'all won't even remember this, okay? But I'm going to help you through it, okay? So, so back in, when I was young, you know, and we're talking like a zillion years ago, dude, okay? When I was young and I had hair, kind of like Ryan, but mine wasn't curly, okay? When I had hair here, I used something called Brill Cream. Now, I'm looking at yours and yours, and there ain't no, there ain't no amount of Brill Cream in the world going to get that down, okay? That is good. Stand up. This is good hair. 
This, yeah, this is what I wish I had when I had hair. All right, thank you, buddy. All right, so here's the deal. So y'all don't know and don't remember Brill Cream, okay? It's back when I was a kid, and I'm not, in fact, they still make it, by the way, they still make it. But, but the slogan for Brill Cream was just a little dab of do ya. A little dab of do ya. And so, so what you did was, is you'd squirt a little bit of that stuff in your hands, and you just all over your hair, and then you comb it. And that's my bro back here's got his hair. Everything is in place, and something is holding it in place. And with brill cream, all it took was a little dab. You didn't need to squeeze the whole tube out. Just a little dab. That's one word picture. And then there's this word picture. When we were young, and uh, I was, we were just married, first year of our marriage, um, we would pay all our bills. I was a sergeant in the Air Force, and we paid all our bills, okay? In time, we paid our bill, and we didn't have a debt load. It was just, we didn't have any money. Um, but, but anyway, so, so we would have $25 to last two weeks. Oh, yeah, $25. So I know, it's, I know it's 1976, but the bottom line is that ain't a lot, okay? And so, but what we did was, our one thing we did was we loved to go to Shoney's, the, on you know, payday, we would go to Shoney's, and I would get the fish sandwich, she'd get the chicken tender thing, you know, um, and we would eat that. And then, and then if it was a really good week, we would have dessert, okay? Now, here's what I've learned about, about restaurants and servers. It doesn't hurt to ask. So she would say, so, would you like some dessert? And if it was a good week that week, we would say, yes, we would. We want a piece. Notice I did not say two pieces. I said, you know, we want one piece. We want a piece of hot fudge ice cream cake. Can somebody say amen? amen. Now, what we're talking about here, we are talking about two slabs of juicy, moist chocolate cake in the middle, a big old slab of vanilla ice cream. Okay. And then, and then they would pour hot fudge on top of it. Some, can somebody say amen? Uh, is anybody fixing to have a hallelujah fit? Okay, so, so, so you pour hot fudge on top of that. Then they would get the ready whip and scoot a mound of that on top of it and a cherry, okay? Now, that should have been enough, but it wasn't. So I would very commonly say, and I, I had to make, I couldn't come up with a word, so Amy, I made up a word. I said, can you goozle some more hot fudge on that? Now, now, it didn't happen all the time, but I think they felt sorry for me or whatever. They would goozle it. And what I'm talking about, they would bring that saucer out, and there's hot fudge just goozling down the sides into the small plate and filling the plate. Can somebody say amen? Are you with me today? Can you understand what this would be like? Well, listen, that was lavish. That was goozling. Now, I want to ask you this question because you've got to be going, exactly where are you going with this, Dwayne? I'm trying to ask you this question. You know, is your God a little dab of do you, God? Or is your God a goozle God? Have you got a kind of God that little dab will do you? Or you want a God, woo, and you want a presence of God in your life where God just pours it on and pours it on and pours it on. And sometimes you don't know how you're going to handle it or stand it. That's the kind of God that He is. That's the kind. Listen, not for just certain people, but for His children. His children. He's a God of abundance. He's a gooselin'. He's a gooselin' God. Now, now we get down here now to where we talk about, okay, um, shepherd. What, what about, how does this, this fit in with the, with the shepherds? 
Okay? Well, here's the deal. Um, go ahead and get that next one, Eli, back there. Okay? Shepherds would anoint their sheep. They, they would goozle on their sheep. Okay? And the reason why and how, uh, they would anoint their heads particularly and th- th- to soothe any wounds they might have and keep the annoying and fighting, fight, biting insects at bay. So, so a shepherd would... A shepherd will keep, his eye, keep an eye on his sheep. And he will look for wounds. And then he doesn't ignore those wounds. He anoints those wounds with oil. I want you to look at me. Your good... Hi, parrots. Your God. Your God doesn't ignore your wounds. When you're going through the hard times of life, don't you dare think that your father, your God, the goozle God, doesn't ignore your wounds. He wants to anoint them with his precious oil. He wants to soothe them. He wants to bring peace to them. Listen, listen. The shepherds will anoint and soothe any wounds. He's a pain-taken God. He's a pain-taken God. Any wounds they might have, and then keep the annoying and biting insect. I just, I just love this idea of God, that just like the good shepherd you know, would see a wound on his sheep and, and treat that wound, but, but also the, God cared, that the shepherd cared about the annoyances of life. Anybody have any annoyances in life? Are you married to an annoyance? Students, excuse me. Did you give birth to an annoyance? <laughs> See, you guys, you know, you know how it is, dude. You know, you're born and you get what you get, right? You know, your, your parents, you don't get to choose your parents. I want to tell you this. I just want to tell you this. That there's a God who not only cares about when you're wounded, he cares about your life. And sometimes life can be challenging. It can be difficult. Can I just say it? Sometimes life can be pretty annoying. And I want to just tell you this. God cares. He's a God of the details, and he is a God who definitely cares. Now, what does that look like in practicality? Well, in Luke chapter 10, verse 34, okay, it looks like this. So, so we know the story of the Good Samaritan. The religious people walk right by him. Here's a guy. He's beaten half to death. In fact, they thought he was dead, okay? The two, the Levi and the priest, go right by him. But along comes this guy who, who is the most unlikely candidate. So he comes over and he soothes his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandages them up. That's a picture of the good shepherd anointing his sheep who are wounded. He goes over and he just lavishes the soothing oil. You know, if we were writing the story, wouldn't we write it this way? There'd be no pain. There'd be no suffering. There'll be no sorrow. Hang on, that's coming. It just won't be here. It'll be there. But for now in here, he pours on the oil and he soothes the wounds. Another one is this. It's over in James chapter 5 and verse 14. And, and it's, written, it's written by the half-brother of Jesus. And this is one, another one. See, we're, we Baptists are scared of the word anointing. And we're really scared of James chapter 5 verse 14. 
I mean, somehow it just doesn't fit our theology, which is kind of weird because we call ourselves a, a people of the book, and yet this is in the book, and it's something we kind of go, mm, we're kind of eh, about. Here's what it says. Is anyone among you sick? Hmm. We get, we, we get calls all the time. Could you pray for this person? Pray for that person. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, the leaders of the church, and they are to pray over. We don't. I'm going dead. Is it right there you think that I'm going dead? We, we, don't, we just don't do this very often. Okay, but look what he says. If that's not enough, you know, we call people to pray over us, but then, and then anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. I mean, oh my goodness, only probably, I bet 10 times in my time as a pastorate, okay, has someone called and said, would you please come and anoint me with oil? What is the deal? Well, I'll say it now, but we're going to say it again. We sometimes think the anointing of oil is some magical thing. It's something only, you know, like non-denominationals and Pentecostals do. That is not true. This wasn't written to a denomination. It's written to the people of God. Okay, so Dwayne, if the oil is not magical, then how is it meaningful? If it's not magical, how is it meaningful? And this is it. It's very interesting. Do you all remember the stories of the couple of women who anointed Jesus? I'm not talking about when he was dead, when he was alive. And they, and they went into the room. And remember when they broke this vase, Bob? Remember they broke the vase and he poured the oil on him. And the whole room was filled with this beautiful aroma of oil. Okay? And after they ran the woman off or she left, what lingered? The beautiful aroma of oil. Okay? Interestingly enough, you don't hear this very often, these are the exact same Greek words that was used recording the story of the women who anointed Jesus. Not different. The oil and the anointing is the exact same word. So, Dwayne, why would I want someone to anoint me? It's not magical. You know what's magical? Jesus. Jesus is magical. You know what's powerful? The name of Jesus. That's powerful. There's no power in the oil itself, but what it does is this. When you invite the elders to come to your house and we do pray for you, okay, and, and we take this oil, all right, it should be a scented oil. It was back in those days. It was a scented oil. And after the deacons or the elders leave, you know, your house, and you're left there, and you might still be hurting, but what lingers? What, remind, what reminds you that a prayer was offered up in your name? What reminds you of the goodness of God, the sweet aroma of the oil. And that is the significance where it says they are to pray over him or her, anointing him or her with oil in the name of the Lord. It's not a power in the oil, but the aroma reminds us of the God who loves us. The aroma reminds us of the God who loves us. So our teaching point says it plainly. Anoint is not a magical term, and the oil is not magical oil, but a term of blessing. When someone's anointed by God, and by the way, every believer is anointed by God. Every believer is anointed by God. Um, then that person is set apart for God's purposes, both generally specific and his glory. When, when we receive Christ, we were set apart. We were anointed for the service of God, and that's a general calling. That's why we need to think about God all the time. He's not, he's not something we think about only on Sundays. He should constantly be in our thought process. 
And for some of us, and most of us, there was probably a time in your life when God anointed you for a specific purpose. And that's where we come back to David. It was, it was a crazy story. Saul had gotten fired. The CEO had gotten fired. And so, you know, God says, okay, I want you to go to Jesse's house. And I want you, he's got a bunch of sons. And you're going to find the future king of Israel there. Okay, so I want you to go. Okay. So, so Samuel goes, you know, and they sit down in the house, you know, and, and Jesse's called in all the boys, okay? And so one by one, um, Jesse's sons, I laugh because it's, it's the words of a song, you know, you know, one by one, Jesse's sons pass before the prophet. So the first guy, Eliab, the oldest, he was, he was tall like Saul. He looked very kingly, okay? And so Samuel naturally thought... This is the guy, okay? He's tall like Saul, must be the guy. Looks very kingly. So Samuel's about to do his thing. God says, wait! He's not the one. And Samuel, I'm sure, looked at God and went, what? Not the one. He's so kingly. He's not the one. So Eliab moved on. Then, then came Abinadab. Abinadab was tall like Saul and very kingly. And so Samuel's about to do his thing, and God says, no, he's not the one either. Well, Shammah was number three, and Shammah was tall like Saul and very kingly. By this time, Samuel's going, I bet he's not the one either, is he? And God went, you're catching on. So one by one, all the sons passed. And so finally, like no king. And God said there'd be a king found in the house of Jesse. So, so Samuel looks at, at Jesse and goes, got any more? You got any more? And he goes, oh, well, there is the runt of the family. He's out keeping the sheep. He, he didn't make the invite list today. I mean, certainly not kingly material. Well, you better go get him because we're not moving on until you do. And David walks in. He's young, 15, 16 years old. He's ready. Every indication is he was not muscular. He was not tall like Saul. He was everything a king physically should not be. And guess what God said? You got it. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 12. The Lord said, anoint him. Set him apart. See, you're sitting here today, and some of you are thinking, yeah, see, that's the problem. My wife tells me all the time how unkingly I am. My boss tells me how unkingly I am. And, and students, your parents say, yeah, my parents always tell me how I'm not going to be. How, how my brother was, but I will never be. God's got a different opinion. He says, anoint him. You, un <laughs> you unkingly people out there, God says, anoint them. God says, anoint them. The Lord said, anoint him, for he is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. I love that. You know, the guys that thought, mm -mm -mm, you know? And in front of those big old boys, the run of the family was anointed king. How about that? And then, and then, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David from that day forward. 
He was, he was set apart for kingship, for kingship. And the Spirit of God came upon him. I'm trying to tell you today that if you are a Jesus follower, you're David. No matter how unkingly you look, I promise you this. I promise you this as a pastor, and particularly as your pastor, God has purpose for your life. And he is calling you. He is calling you. And when he calls you, he will equip you. All you've got to do is be willing. All you've got to do is be willing. Um, next Sunday, Lord willing, the creek don't rise. Um, my friend, Donnie Billman, is going to sing a song for the ordination. It's called Shepherd Boy. And uh, we thought it appropriate because of the ordination. And here's what Ray Boltz wrote about David. You know, he wasn't the oldest. And he wasn't the strongest chosen on that day. Yet the giant fell and nations trembled, for they stood in his way. Now listen. When others see a shepherd boy, God may see a king. Even though your life seems filled with ordinary things. In just a moment, he can touch you. And everything will change. When others see a shepherd boy... God will see a king. I want you to think about God. If you're here today and you tried the church thing and it let you down, I understand. You tried the religion thing, it let you down. I get it. I get it. But we're not talking about church today. And we're not talking about you know, religion today. We're talking about Jesus today. And this room is filled with people who put their faith and trust in Jesus. And I'm one of them. And for me, it was in 1975 when I put my faith and trust in Jesus. And he's been faithful. As the song said, he's been so, so good to me. And he wants to be so, so good to you. So in just a moment, Brent's going to be standing down front. And we're going to have a short time of invitation. And we want to invite you to come. Dwayne, or Brent, I want to know this Jesus. I want, I want to know a God who sees beyond my warts and flaws so unkingly, and says, I am worthy of his honor. Perhaps worthy to be a king. Perhaps worthy to be a king. For the rest of us who know Jesus, I want you to think about God. But I also want you to think about what you think about God. I want to change your thinking today. I'm going to ask God to come down and change our thinking about him. That once again, we'll understand that, you know, that he is all-powerful. He's sovereign. He's in control. I, I, I want to change our thinking that he's, that he's always there for us. He promises to never leave us nor forsake us. And there I say it, he's keen on us. He's keen on us. I want us to remember that and think that. Because when others see a shepherd boy, God may see. A king. Would you bow your heads? Boy, y'all listen so good today. Thank you so much. We're going to do actually two things. Our first part is, a, is we're going to, now it's going to be a pretty short song, um, but we're going to give you the opportunity to respond today. I know some of you have talked about joining the church. Um, perhaps some of you are very interested in knowing Jesus. My friend Brent will be standing down front, and we would love to talk to you. Whatever's on your mind, even the altar's open. The altar's open. We'll make this song last longer if we need to. I just want you to know there's a God who loves you, a God who cares for you.
He's, he sees your wounds and cares. He sees your wounds and cares. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. And then after this first song, we're going we're to move into the time of the Lord's Supper. And uh, we're going to sing a song entitled Remembrance. And it's one we use quite frequently for the Lord's Supper. And we have our tables set up, two in the back, three at the front. And our deacons will be there. And, and, and when the song starts, when you're ready, we invite you to go to the table and get your, your bread and your juice. Um, and then go back to your seat and we'll observe the table together. And this is not a Doorsville family thing. This is a God family thing. If you're a, if you're a member of the, of the family of God uh, by faith in Jesus Christ, I don't care where your membership is or what denomination you are, you're invited to participate today um, in our Lord's Supper celebration. So once you get your elements and go back to your seat, if you'll just wait uh, when everybody's done, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper together. That's what we got planned. Let's pray. Father, thank you very much for being a great God and a gracious God. Thank you that you're good. Thank you that you're keen on us. That when others see failure and defeat, you see victory. Royal blood. Royal blood flowing through our veins. Thank you for that. Father, I want to pray that if there's someone here who's never trusted Jesus, oh, could today be the day? Could today be the day they put their faith and trust in Christ? And, and help us leave this place committed to make sure we think about you and to make sure we think the right things about you. This is your time, your time, Father, and we give it to you. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name. Amen.